You're listening to Hardscape Growth, a podcast for business leaders in the trenches. From pavers to profits, we're focused on the topics that help hardscape professionals find success and level up. Let's get into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Hardscape Growth Show. I'm your host, Alex from TechoBlock, and today we're joined by Brad and Phil from Newcastle Lawn and Landscaping. They're in Pennsylvania, and um, funny story, I actually met uh, Phil at our Hardscaper Summit event in King of Prussia just a little bit earlier this year, and we got to talking about... Um, how they've been successful in attracting and retaining people and building a strong team. And uh, we said, you know what, we should really just have uh, an episode of the podcast dedicated to this and talk with you, Phil, and talk with you, Brad, who uh, is one of the owners at uh, Newcastle about what that really means, uh, what that looks like in the day-to-day operation of the business and kind of what impact it has had uh, overall for you guys. So, First of all, thank you very much for uh, joining us on the show today. Thank you. Yep, thanks for having us. And uh, before we get started, why don't we do a, a little bit about yourselves? Uh, I guess we could start with uh, you, Brad. You're one of the owners. Uh, how many owners are there? And um, you know, before we got started here, you, you said you don't really know what you do. So uh, <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you a second chance to maybe describe and tell people what you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we do have uh, two owners here at Newcastle 5050 uh, partnership. Uh, I know I told you I don't know what I do. I, the biggest thing for me is that my people do everything. You know, I'm I'm the support staff. I'm taking away obstacles. I'm you know trying to lead us in the right direction and and really just cheerleading uh, for our people. And that's that's my main job and and making sure again we're going in the right direction. Um, I just recently became 50% owner. I actually started in the company when. Uh, it was 15 years ago I started on a hardscape crew really as a glorified um, a glorified laborer. They hired me to be a supervisor, but they really didn't have anybody to supervise. So <laughs> <to> supervise? <laughs> it was just me and a couple guys. And really, I, I knew that there was an opportunity here for ownership. And, you know, I just worked my butt off. And, you know, it's the hardest I ever worked in my life when I started here and Worked my butt off and worked my way up to minority ownership about seven years ago. And then just recently, one of my partners retired and and we bought the shares uh, last year um, to become 50-50 owner with my partner now, Brian Cucurell. Oh, that's uh, well, congratulations. And that's a, Thank that's you. a fun story because uh, I think that gives you a unique perspective on what it means to build a good team and to have good people around because you, you really started an entry level position and, and had to grind your way up the whole, yep. the whole decade and a half that you've been there. Um, Phil, you're on the uh, design side. You want to tell us yep. a little bit about what you do on a day to day basis? Uh, so my daily role is basically my main focus is hardscape design. Um, I work real closely with one of our other designers. Trisha has a great expertise on plant knowledge. So we kind of, bounce back and forth between each other with uh, how we get our designs together. Um, I also have a big part in our marketing role here at Newcastle as far as our imaging, branding, and, you know, all aspects of marketing. Um, I started here, it'll be 10 years ago, April 1st. Um, I walked in here on a snow day with a resume and said, you guys looking for anybody to hire? And, uh, few guys are in the office they took a look at my resume kind of got the ball rolling from there i came into the company as a, a foreman 
uh, I was in that position for a few years and uh, gradually worked into the construction supervisor role, which then over, we, I oversaw all our crews. Um, but I always had, I always had a, a passion for design. And that's kind of knew what that I knew that's where I wanted to end up. Um, so lots of communication with Brad over the years, and this is my goal. And we kind of set a path for that, and um, finally got me into that role. So that's how I ended up here. If I Great. could step in on that, yeah, Alex, just real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so Phil, Phil uh, came to me. How many years ago was that, Phil? When you came to me about uh, the design role. Um, a minute, two years full time, a year learning. So probably, well, probably five. So, so when we were, as we were growing, I mean, when I first started, we were 400 in revenue. We're going to be at 10 million this year. Um, when Phil came to me, you know, he's talking about the design position. He's like, you know what, Brad, I know there's no, never going to be a spot for just a design person. I'm like, you know what, Phil, let's, let's talk this one through. And what I did, I, I said, Phil, I said, show me you want it. Like, just show me you want it. So he came in Saturdays, Sundays. He was working 12-hour days just to learn Vistera and really get that whole program. And he showed me he wanted it. And look at him now. Like, he's a he's our designer. He has Trisha. He manages Trisha, but he has an intern as well. Like, and we're looking to hire more people too. So us as a company, constantly growing, constantly giving somebody an opportunity as long as they want it, we're going to find a way to, to make it work. I love that. That's, uh, I mean, that, that's been my experience here at, at Taco Block too. And it's, I think that's, that's what makes good companies, great companies. And that's what helps them separate themselves from, uh, from other, uh, not just their competitors, but like competitors in a, in a marketplace for doing business, but also it's that differentiates themselves as employers. And, and it makes a difference when people feel like they find a home and and as they grow and evolve, you know, they can find they can find their, their little niche within the company to do what they do best to contribute. And, and that's yeah. that's a great example of that. So we're having this conversation today because uh, of exactly that. Phil, when I met you, you were saying a little bit about that that story and how you're in this position today. Uh, when we were getting ready for the show, Brad, you were saying that you're your passion in running this business, like, yeah, you're in the, the landscape industry, but your passion isn't necessarily landscapes. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? <laughs> to be honest with you, if I went out and try to do a hardscaping job right now, people would just blow me away because I, yeah, I wasn't even that good when I was in the field, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, but yeah, my passion is 100% people. I actually just spent the last two days talking to ninth graders in a local high school um, just trying to build them up. I did some mock interviews with them, but my whole thing is just seeing people grow really that follow our core values, people growing and just instilling within them, uh, faith and giving them a, a, a path to, uh, to succeed. And it's, I guess it, it, it's a passion of mine because I didn't really, I wasn't really given a chance when I was younger. I was, I was kind of labeled, you know, not so smart and, yeah, heck, I, 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 Phil probably doesn't want me to say this, but I did fail a seventh grade. And, um, you know, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because, you know, again, you know, through my younger, younger years, I was just into trouble. I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. And, you know, I, I, I just built off of that. And it, there's always been a drive in my belly to, to help people. And it's just funny because landscaping was my passion. It still is. 
but working at Newcastle and just growing people, man, it just became my my 100% passion. And then also working with a CFO that we had at the point at when I started, and then also a mentor. Um, I have mentors my entire life. If you don't have a mentor, you got to get a mentor, somebody you can look up to and listen to and let them spill their experience into you so you don't have to go through the same challenges, same problems that they went through. And it's a quicker, quicker pace to, to success. But again, people uh, making sure that uh, they have the right path and being there for them if, if they have struggles personally, professionally, whatever. Uh, it's just really, really important to me. And I'm very passionate. It's my heart uh, for sure. Was that something I, that was always like that? Uh, I, you know what? My mom says, the one that sang happy birthday on my, not my birthday, uh, she <laughs> she always said that I had it. Like it was just something about me that I was just, I, I was just a caring person. Uh, mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was bred into me or something happened, you know, in my childhood, but it's always been something that everywhere I was at, even before Newcastle, like I'm just trying to help people grow. Um it just turned into a career, really. And how did that first manifest itself at Newcastle since you started as a quote-unquote supervisor? Yeah. Um, I think once we started bringing in, like, better people, you know, we back in the day, not to knock anybody, but we weren't really following our core values. And we weren't following you know, who we are as people. So the people we we're bringing in are just kind of all over the place. Mm. I think once we started, like Dan, our operations manager, he started at the bottom too. I mean, he came in, he was a laborer. He came from the Air Force, uh, four years in the Air Force, didn't know anything about construction and just took him under my wing. And now he's our operations manager. I think that's Dan, when he started, it kind of really got me to think, you know what? I need to start building these younger guys up uh, to take my place eventually, which he did. And it was a hard, it was a struggle for me to let go of construction because that was my passion. But now I'm, I'm running, I'm helping run everything, even though I don't do much, um, <laughs> but I'm allowing him to, to take over. And, you know, but it was a hard thing for me to let go of construction because it is 100% was my passion still is, but people, people are above that right now. We used, we used to have a joke here, Alex, that yeah. someone's got to die in order to move up. You know, <laughs> we're like, when's Brad going to kick it so we can start moving up? And, you know, I think Brad's absolutely right. Um, once once he saw that and started that process, it just it just trickled down and then we all started moving up. So um, and I, even I, one thing I want to jump back when Brad said about like yeah. um, helping people and all that At the beginning of this year, I was probably the last person in the company that you would have thought was going to have an intern. Um, yep. But I looked at it. I was like, you know what? This could be a pretty cool opportunity for myself and for the intern. Um, he came in here, knew nothing about our business, knew nothing about what we do. Uh, he does have a interest in mechanical engineering. So he thought, well, how can I apply this to what we're doing? Mm -hmm. So got him on some training videos. He 100% can go right into Vistera now. He can import blueprints. He can build the houses for me ahead of time and get that step rolling so we can just roll right in. So it, it is it is a really cool feeling to look back and be like, wow, you know, he's growing, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, he's going to come on part time for the summer and continue to do that for us. So 
it's uh, yeah, I, I would agree that it is a cool feeling when you can see that they're learning, they're growing, they're applying the things that you're trying to teach them. And then all of a sudden you see them doing the thing on their own. You're like, man, it's working. Yeah, I can right. work on this right. thing now. Right. I do tell all my supervisors that are up and coming to coach Little League, coach something with like kids Mm. because they're not going to quit. They don't know anything. They're not going to (laughs) question, screw up, and you'll look like an all-star anyway. The parents start yelling at you, but um, but it's, I mean, that that really helped me, you know, get out of my own way really is I started coaching soccer and really our estimator now, he was my assistant coach for soccer and that's how he came on and it was just really – cool to see the kids grow up and he just translate. I mean, it really, people are people. They all have emotions. They all need something. And if you start with the little people, then you can start working with the big people. The little people are, are maybe less complicated. Yes. Right. So you can work the principles out and then yeah. build on Try that. Try some stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think the other interesting thing with what you're saying though, is like when you're coaching a team, it's the perfect example of, how you have to be hands off. You cannot go on the field. You can't go kick the ball. So you have to help them understand like what the vision is and how we're yeah. going to do this and who plays what role. And if you're not doing that, then you'll never win a game and they won't learn anything. So you have to get good at that. And it's very much the same in business if you're in some kind of different leadership role. Whether it's, it's like fill the role that you're in where you have uh, maybe one one person on your team plus an intern like you you can't be doing all the drawings for them because if you are well then why are they there you're just doing the drawings right so i'm curious like um brad when you're saying that it was kind of when you started living by the core values when the company started operating by the core values that all of a sudden the right people started showing up and the right people started thriving in the organization I'm curious from Phil's perspective, what are some of those core values and what impact do they have on your uh, role in the company? The biggest one for me is, you know, we care. Um, The fact that, you know, Brad was willing to take the time, hear me out, you know, and come up with a plan showed me that he cared. And, you know, it was something that could become obtainable at that point. So caring is definitely the biggest one. And for Phil, determined to improve. I mean, that's another one of ours. And that's not just personally, that's professionally too. And like, I want to see both. I want people improving themselves personally in their personal lives. And I also want to see them, you know, just getting better in their in their professional lives and, and determined. You know, that's a that's a big word for me because I'm I'm one determined person. You know, I if I need to step in and you know, throw some stuff around <laughs> once in a while. I, I don't anymore, but I used to like, you know, sometimes you just gotta, I call it a hard reset. Cause you know, we get it, you get off the rails and we lose focus. Um, but I really, I look to see who is super determined to make a difference, whether it be in their personal or professional or both, but I'm always looking for that improvement. What are the other values? So we care, determined to improve and good attitude. That's all. Very simple. And everybody mocks me because I say not a great attitude, just a good attitude. Well, okay. I don't want a bunch of people walking around fake and, you know, just ha ha ha, you know, just laughing. Yeah. That's not and really good attitude. Like, listen, we all have bad days, but are you throwing other people under the under the bus? 
Are you taking responsibility for what happened? You know, are you playing the blame game? And that's that's what I think as, as far as a good attitude. Man, as soon as you walk in our front doors, and I can say it because I'm the owner, but we've said it just with new hires. You're like, man, like, this is life-changing. I have a salesperson that's been with us for a year and a half. He said we changed his life. Like, that's that's what gets me. And it's all because we all have fun. Do we have bad days? Yes, we do. Do we argue? Yes. But it's a healthy argument. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know everything. I'm listening to people. And we have back and forth exchanges. Like, it's that's healthy. Like, you want to have that. And I surround myself with people who think different than me. I don't want somebody that thinks exactly like me. Or else we'd be out of business. <laughs> so can we can we talk about that? Because that, that's a uh, that's a mindset shift that, that a lot of people need to have happen before they feel comfortable having people who think differently around them, especially in a smaller company. Like in a big company, it's normal. You're going to have all kinds of different people from different backgrounds who are going to have different perspectives and different approaches to, to challenges or to opportunities. But in a smaller company, um, how many employees do you guys have now? Uh, we range from 68 to 75, depending okay. on the season. And if we go back that, that seven to 10 years when these shifts were starting to happen, how many people were you then? Uh, probably about 30 ish. Okay. So with the, and this includes uh, lawn maintenance side to the business too, yep. right? Correct. Okay. So there's a lot of people on that side, I guess. Yeah, we got lawn maintenance. We have trees, lawn apps, okay. PHC. I mean, we have enhancements. We're we're diverse. Okay. So um, when it comes time to bringing people into that, I guess we'll call it that that inner circle or maybe I don't know how many, how you want to describe it in terms of a, a visual, but let's say in that inner circle and you're getting those differing opinions, those, those very different backgrounds, how do you um, – deal with that how do you how do you prepare for for opening the door to these people who completely contradict the way that you may want to do things i think it starts with the interview process so when i interview people i don't really even have a job description i just want to get to know them and you know i get my sister's our office manager she gives me a little grief for not having job descriptions because now i'm hiring office staff and she's like Mm. people need to know what they're doing and they do but when I bring, when I personally bring people in or even Dan or anybody else, like we're doing, first off, we're doing a phone interview by one of my, what do we call it now? Culture. It's not culture club anymore, Phil. What's it called? I don't, I don't know that we settled on an actual name. We're, we're still going with culture club right now. So, so okay. I, culture club, we, we created this, we do the disc analysis. I don't know if you ever heard of it. D-I-S-C. Yep. Yep. So we disc Do, do you want to say what, what, what those stand for? So those not familiar understand. So is a, a dom- you want to go? Go for it. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Neither of us wants to step in it, right? <laughs> I think is, I got it, but go ahead. Yeah, I, right. I just went over it yesterday, and okay, I go ahead. Good. You guys we'll, go. We'll, we'll do it as a team. D <laughs> is for uh, dominant personality. Yeah. Uh, I is for influence. Yep. So uh, main difference is D is like I I know what we have to do. I'm going to take charge. Let's do it this way. Influence is trying to bring everyone together and kind of almost a democratic approach to getting things done. Uh, S, if I'm not mistaken, is stability. Steadiness. Steadiness. They don't like change. They want, you know, their routine. Uh, And then C is uh, conformity, right? It's more like the details. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the attention to details, following the rules, following processes. 
Um, and everyone is a different level of each one of these four traits. Yes. Okay. So our culture club is made up of eyes, the influencers. So they're a high eye. So I think we have like 10 or 12 people. The reason why I set this up is because our core values, uh, how I want the company or how we want the company to grow, I don't think was getting down the ranks. So, and then I started thinking, we were at a yearly meeting and one of my, one of my guys in my leadership team said, Brad, I don't know if something happened to you, I don't know what would happen to the company. Well, as an owner, that's an awful feeling. You know, mm-hmm. I always, if something happens to me, I want to make sure that my vision, everything that I believe in continues to go. And that's when the culture club formed. And I even played Boy George. I don't know if I can say his name, but the, the music yeah. at the beginning of the meeting. And I'm sorry, Phil, you're going to kill me for this. But I was so excited about it. And we got set up. And I, I really think it's going to help help the flow down and really take care of everybody. Because even even our work staff, like we have, we have different nationalities, uh, genders, like just getting everybody together and on the same page. I mean, you go to a picnic and you have one group of people on one side and one group on the other side. Like that's not right. That's not a like, team. Well, yeah, you got no. two teams. Yeah, so we're that's kind of my our thing right now. And we just instilled that group. And I really think that's gonna help us out. But again, like when I'm at the interview process, I'm first just trying to figure out the, how the person is. And I'm just asking a bunch of questions and it's random questions. I don't have anything set. I'm kind of a fly by the seat of your pants just to get the feel of them. And once um, once I think that they're a good fit or through the phone interview, then they'll go to the second interview. But we got to weed out the people that are just out to, you know, everybody wants to make money. But if that's if you don't have passion, if you're if you don't want to be a part of something like you're probably not going to fit here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really been a, a, a really good thing that we've done with the disc and everything else and, and knowing where do people line up? How can we, how can we put people in the right uh, right position once we hire them, that they have differing views? So my sister's a CS, I'm an ID. I hate rules. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to break the rules that the CS wants to put in place. So, but in the office manager role, you absolutely have to follow rules. You can lose your butt, you know, all over the place. So. Super important to have different people in different roles, but you don't want to tight cast them either. People can change. You know, that just because what your test is doesn't mean that that's the way you're going to stay. It just means that you might be happier in a different role. And really, we move people around in different roles to, to suit their needs, like Phil. Um, you know, going from a construction supervisor to a designer, it's been his dream. And, mm-hmm. and we were able to fulfill that. And now he's growing in that position. And that's an awesome too, evolution little, too, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I know we were going to talk about this other way, but when Brad started realizing this about like how we need to change the culture and mm-hmm. you know get the right people, there were two books that we we all were kind of asked to read. The first one was um, Extreme Ownership, which I know you mm-hmm. talked about that one before. Yep. And the other one was called Traction. Um, and it's funny because like with traction, I listened to it, I listened to it on audible and as you're listening to this, you can totally pick out the people in your company and either think, yep, that's them and they're in the right role or they're the right person they're in the wrong seat. For me at the time, I was the right person in the wrong seat because my direction was just going a different way and it was starting to show. Uh, can we expand on that a little bit? I'm, I'm curious, like, what that meant to you 
So you're, you're, uh, you're at the point, at this point in time, you're a construction supervisor. Yep. And the boss says, okay, guys, we got to check out these two books because we need to do something about how we're running the business, how the culture is, whatever. I don't know how that was. Maybe you want to fill in on, on what Yeah, was it was kind of like that. Like, hey, guys, we want you to read this book. And, you know, me being a construction guy and, you know, I, I, I have a... I also have a degree in graphic design, so I had the artistic side of it. Okay. But the majority of my career was out in the field, either excavating or building hardscape. So, so what was your first reaction? Is, so, yeah, okay, go. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. say, yeah. like, you're gonna, you want me to read a book? Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. And you know, and I'm, you know, I can, I can be that half glass full guy, you know, because I like to always look at the other side of things. And so I think, I think uh, extreme ownership was first, and I mean. That was really good because it really, it just really gets you thinking about things. But I think it was, for me, it was traction that really, you know, when, when you start thinking about things and you listen to it, you just, that it was just the perfect timing where like I, I was beginning to not enjoy what I was doing because I knew I wanted to start, obviously I was getting older, so I was going to, I wanted to get out of the field by a certain age. So that had part of it, but you know, as the company was growing, so were the numbers. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm a creative guy. So I could start to see there like, okay, I don't want to focus so much on the numbers and what my department's responsible for and, you know, so on and so forth. I, I want to create. So that's what started it. And, you know, after reading that, it really was like, eh, at least I felt I'm the right person for the company, but I'm in the wrong seat. Hmm. And it showed to others. And really, Alex, yeah. how we started that whole EOS system and, you know, Gino Wickman's the one that, that wrote the book. And I know he pulled some things from different books and created his own system. There's there's implementers out there across the United States and Canada. Um, you know, we decided to self-implement, but we decided to self-implement in 2018. It was our worst year ever. We, we relied on the H2B program for our mowing. And two weeks before the mowing season started, 25 guys uh, got denied uh, to come work for us. So our entire mowing division was non-existent. So I had to, we had to replace our entire mowing division, 25 people in two weeks. And uh, it, was, it was a bit of a mess, but through that whole process, we're like, man, we're not gonna go through this again. Like we've gotta get our, our stuff together. Let's, let's get this going. And myself and my operations manager, Dan, started working on the system and, and getting getting the leadership team together. So we picked a leadership team and we just met same time, same place every week, came up with issues to solve. If you read the book, you'll know the issues are the biggest thing. To, and th this book you that know. you're talking about is the entrepreneurial operating system? Yeah, it's traction, basically. Tra okay, it's, it's all okay. It's from that book. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, you know, it's basically it tells you a way to meet and how to solve issues. Back in the day, we would solve one issue a year. Now we're solving like 50 in a week. And when you <laughs> solve, you, everybody thinks issues are bad. They're, they're not. That's how you change. That's how you grow. So if you're only changing one a, a year, you're not going anywhere. You just you're spinning. So it gives everybody the opportunity to to spill their guts. It's an honest conversation. There's no hierarchy. Everybody in there has a right to speak. And it's just, I don't want to go get in the weeds and maybe we do another something else, but it, it really helped our company focus because we, our communication was awful and our focus was all over the place. 
we thought we were focused on one thing, but then Johnny down the down downstairs is focused on something else. Mm-hmm. It keeps everybody in line. Now, are we perfect? No. Are we trying to get to perfection? Yes, but you, you'll never get that, but we're trying. And now, so we set the leadership team up in 2018. 2018 was still our worst year ever. I, we hired like 80 people that year just to fill 25 spots. So that we was were also a year though. Rotating through, boom, yeah. boom, yeah. boom, boom, higher, yeah. no, not working, not working, not working. Yep. That was also a year though that the teamwork showed up because when we were short on guys, yeah. we needed to get stuff done. Mm. I was mowing, Dan was mowing, Andy was mowing. Like people just pulled together from other departments to, you know, yeah, keep things running core, and still doing their daily job. So the core values started showing with the people who really wanted yeah. to make it work. Yep. Right. And it's funny when you're in a crisis situation like that, people mm-hmm. will, you'll see who your who your team players are and who are the people that just want to bail and it, you weed them out. And, you know, it still was our worst year ever. We lost $350,000 that year. I say the three, the $350,000 was a good training. We spent a lot of money on training. Uh, but the fact that we stuck with it, man, if we wouldn't have done that, 19 was our, our record-breaking year. So the following year was record-breaking. 2020 was record-breaking. 2021, we keep climbing. 2022, we are pushing for a record-breaking year. Um, you know, we have it, – it's a big goal. Uh, but we're going to we're going to do it. But it all comes back to because we we stuck with it. And now each department supervisor has their own level 10 meeting is what they're called okay. every week. Same time, same place where all the people in that department are able to say, hey, you know, what's you know, what's going well? What's not going well? What's your issue? How can we solve that as a team? And it's it's just a really cool thing to get everybody involved because everybody wants to be a part of something. You know, you go from the top to the bottom, everybody wants to be a part of something and it gives them a voice and it's, it's really, really important. Uh, and when every, when, when everybody that's in that meeting knows they're at a good space and they're free to talk, you really start getting results. And there too, that was another one that I was a little optimistic about. Like really a weekly meeting, like, mm-hmm. and we're going to start it off with, Hey, what's your good news? Like, let's just work. But once you're over that and you start to see the results, it, it's well worth it. You know. Yeah, back in the day, any any non-production time. I'm sorry, Alex. I told you no, sometimes no, I can talk too much. No, 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 no. I, I, I was, <laughs> you're you're going exactly where I want you to go. Go for okay. it. Okay. <laughs> uh, back in the day, any non-production time was like looked as like a sin. You know, we mm-hmm. when I first started, we first of all, we didn't have an, an office manager. We didn't have any office staff. We didn't even think we could hire like a part time office person. So we finally hired a, a part time office person. But that person, we we're like, you got to plow snow like you can't you can't work and not bring in dollars. You know, you think the you know, overhead, you don't bring in dollars. Man, it's so wrong. Like our overheads high right now. It is. Mm-hmm. But there's for a reason. I know that there's a growth spurt and you got to. Man, it's it's the peaks and plateau. Like we're in a we're in a plateau right now. We're absorbing a lot of overhead for the next growth spurt. I mean, we want to get to twenty five million dollars in three years. So that's that's a lot. That's not but nothing. No, no, and it's it's a big climb. And you know, you need that office staff to support for customer support. So back in the day, you know, part time. Now we admin. I mean, I bet you we have about eighteen. You know, with designers, salespeople, office staff, office manager, AR, AP, uh, customer uh, service. We have uh, sales assists. 
sales manager assistant. Yeah. So, you know, especially for the owners out there that, you know, you feel like you just can't hire that admin person because it's too expensive. You start putting a value on your time. All right. So you say you can't afford it. Start calculating the hours that you spent on some of that stuff. And what's your time worth? You're the most expensive person in the company. You'll find out really soon that you can afford admin people and it's actually going to make you grow. You're not going to lose money. You can't look at the salaries that you're going to be paying out and say, oh, going to be out 40, 50, 60,000. No, you, that's not it. You're going to be able to multiply yourself, be doing things that, that's more important uh, for the company and, and the company's growth and, and people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it is a hard, it's a hard thing to get to that step. Though. Yeah. I, and, and I just want to challenge the last thing you said. Like, I, sometimes it's not that the thing that is being delegated or handed off to this other person is, is uh, less important. No. It might just be something that you're not as good at. Yep. Like if you suck at the admin side of the business, get someone who loves that so you can go kick ass designing the jobs or building the jobs or selling the jobs or whatever your strength area is because that's the thing that you do better than everyone else. So go play that role yeah. as often as you can. That's what's going to bring as much value as possible. But it's, yeah. I think it's tricky because like most of the people listening to the show are not at the same scale that you are at. So if we had to dial it back years ago where you were saying like you were at 400,000, now you're at 10 million, your goal is 25 million. But if we come way back to that 400,000, if you were in that position then, and you know what you know now from the benefit of all the experience and all the trial and error that has gone through it, what advice would you have for someone who finds themselves in that position? Or what would you tell your past self at that point? So thank you for correcting that too, Alex, because my I would have been in a lot of trouble if you would have corrected that. So thank you so much for that. See, I get, I get myself in trouble. It just yeah. happens. Um, so I have a team I, too. <laughs> so what I would tell myself, um, so I'm a part of a couple of business groups as well. I would tell myself I should have gotten into a business group like right away hmm. because you think things are impossible until you find another business that actually did it that might be a little bit bigger than you so we thought you know again we had a cfo that was with us and we learned a lot through him and he helped us grow and we had to pay him uh but i would have been i we should have networked more we should have gotten out we would have gotten to this level a lot quicker but i'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason I'm glad things worked the way they did. But if there was advice to tell myself back then, it was get with other businesses. It doesn't even have to be in the same industry. I mean, my business groups I'm in are all different industries. And there's just, everything ties together. It all comes back to people, really, in the grand scheme of things, people and numbers. And if you're around these other people that have gotten to that next level, you know, if you're at 400,000, why don't you go visit a company that's 700,000, you know, or a million or what's your, whatever your goal is, you know, we're constantly visiting other companies that are better than us to try to say, you know, let's, let's take one or two more things and bring it back here, bring it back home. And even some of the tours and stuff we do at Newcastle, we bring companies in here and we go over the EOS system. We go over that whole thing and how we, you know, from the bottom up, how we grew, but we're gonna, we learn stuff from them. We have a company coming in uh, tomorrow, Golden Wolf, and we're gonna learn a lot from them, maybe even more than they learned from us. 
And it's just really cool to see that. And again, that's the advice I would give myself is get into a group, visit some businesses, learn what they did different or what they do different to get you to that next level. So let's shift gears a, a little bit. I think that's that's great advice, but let, let's shift gears a little bit because um, we have the unique opportunity here where Phil, you're doing the designs, but you're also involved in the marketing. And I'm curious, sure. does any of this or all of this play out in the approach to marketing, the way that you present the brand, uh, either to future customers or to future employees? Um. I'm going to say yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Thanks, we, Phil. <laughs> uh, no, and I say that like that because we're in the process of kind of switching gears out here a little bit. Um, okay. We're, I think we're a little bit behind on the the content of the industry and the YouTube and the Instagrams and stuff like that. So um, I'm, I'm a big follower of that stuff. I'm always watching things and, you know, picking things up. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, most of our marketing has been like, hey, our backlog for this division is this low. Let's shift dollars this way. And, mm, you reactionary. Know, you know, right, yeah. right. Um, we did revamp the website a few years ago. Um, kind of, we didn't rebrand the logo and the image, but we freshened it up. That kind of started the ball rolling with everything. But now we're kind of looking towards most of our marketing is going to be kind of twofold. It's going to be appealing to future clients and then also as recruitment, you know. So based off of any, especially video or audio, anything, the goal is anything audio or video is to get it to be like, hey, I'd like them to come work for us or, hey, I want to go work for them. So how and do you Alex, do that? Yeah, go ahead. It does go back to our core values. You know, I, our biggest thing with our Facebook page and everything else, it comes back to people. You know, our biggest engagement is people. So Facebook, YouTube, everything, just showing our people. Um, and really that gives them a little bit of a boost too. So if you're giving, doing a video of them, mm-hmm. you know, it's, hey, these guys do care about me. And just the stuff we do in the community too. Like, listen, I, I fought with our marketing manager because I thought, you know, if you're helping the community, you're doing it because it's out of the goodness of your heart. It's not to, it's not to build your brand. It, that should just happen. But what I notice is that if you are truly helping somebody, which we do, I mean, we do a lot of stuff in the community and and we do broadcast that. The reason why we do that now is because especially with the younger, younger generation, they want to be a part of something. And if we're hiding that, they don't really know who we are as as a company. And, you know, my our whole thing is giving back, you know, even through the pandemic, I I mean, I drove a, a, a truck for a local food bank two days a week. And again, I didn't want anybody to know about it. But Trish is like, yeah, let's just do it. But when we met as a leadership team, we were like, listen, we don't know how the industry is going to go. We might not have jobs in, in five months, mm. but we're going to give back to the community. We're going to do as much as we can. And really, it's just snowballed back to us. But that's not really, that wasn't our intent. Um, so, and that goes to the marketing and, and just, our name is getting out now that, you know, people know that we, there's a movement here. It's not just about work. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously we want to do quality work as well. And that's why Phil with, with design and everything else is, is really important, um, you know, to attract people and also make sure that people know that we're the leader in the industry in our area. Yeah. And I think, you know, 
I think it, it's it's tricky um, when you have to pick a lane or you feel like you have to pick a lane with what you're communicating, what you're putting out there. Because, you know, something you just said that, that made me think of this is you care about the people and you want to see the people succeed. And it is very much about uh, about the people on your team, but it's also about getting the work done. Yep. And and people want both. They want to feel that they're part of something, but they also want to feel that they're achieving something, that they're contributing, that they're 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 building something. And in our industry, we're literally building something every day, which is great. But you have to be able to show that. So um, yep. I guess I'm curious. I'm curious to see what it will look like, Phil, in terms of the, the the content that will come out, because I think that what you're saying is is smart in the sense that. If you can put out content that sends that message that we are people who are a strong team that works together, that cares about each other, cares about supporting one another, and we build awesome things, then right. that achieves both. That helps you get people who want to be part of that team, or that helps you get people that want to hire that great team. Right. Yep. And, and if you can achieve that, then you're winning. And that's... Hmm. Uh, I think that, that that's a good lesson for anyone in the industry that's trying to, to grow right now. And honestly, you should be trying to grow with the way the industry is right now. Um, guys, there's so much that we could continue unpacking and maybe we'll, we'll have to get into that stuff on another episode. But I just want to wrap things up and just go through some of the things and, and kind of summarize it with what we talked about. So everybody listening can, can take a few action items away from this if they want to apply it in their business or with their teams. Um, we started just talking about how you're passionate about the people. And, and obviously this whole conversation has shown that um, the growth of the company, what has led to that is really finding what people, who people are. And that starts at the interview process with the questions that you ask and doing that profiling, you use the disc profile. There are other profiling systems out there that exist with the disc profile. Uh, once you understand it, it really helps you under, understand who the person is in front of you and where they would fit in the construction of a team, not based on what their skills are, but based on who they are, what their attitude is, how they view the world and how they approach situations. Put those two pieces of information together and then you start really understanding who needs to sit where on the bus and a great book that talks about who needs to be where on the bus and why that matters so much and how to get there is the book traction. And in that book is where you discovered some of the other things, uh, like building a leadership team, getting that leadership team to meet weekly, to tackle challenges within the business. And Phil, you brought up how it's important that in those meetings, people are free to say what needs to be said to advance the interests of the company. You're not, you're not guarding your, your words, afraid to offend someone. It's, listen, we're on the same team. We want to win together. We got to do this. You got to pull your socks up. I got to do this. This guy's got to do that. And we're going to do it together. And that's why we're here. And for some people, that's real easy to break through and other people's not so much. But no, once yeah. everybody does it, mm -hmm. it's a game changer. But I think that that's from my, my own experience, if I can contribute to this, is like once you understand that disc profiling of the people around the table too, you know how to talk to them. You know, like like I, I'm a high D, high I, low S, low C. That's me. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
like just tell me what you want to say like i don't know why we're, we're we're beating around the bush but there's other people that like you cannot just come at them like that so you need to yeah. be able to to understand that uh in those settings too um but since you had that 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 blow up in 2018 well i say blow up it's not really that's all right you know, that's all right you're good it, 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 you know it was a painful situation external factors forced your team to basically turn over and based on the number of people you had to hire basically turn over four times yeah so in that time you're like we gotta figure this thing out and yep. this is where you you put yourself in this you you know you you forced yourself to try something different and lo and behold it worked so i think that there's a ton of valuable information here the two books that came up traction being one extreme ownership is another one uh, those two seem to be two of the things that have defined that turnaround for the company and taken it to where it is now. The last thing I want to call out is that realizing that the non-production hours are equally, if not more important than the production hours because they contribute, they're the steering wheel for the ship. So it's great. You have a powerful motor, but if the steering wheel doesn't work, I don't know where this thing's going. Yeah. And I, I think with that too, uh, one other book that's really good for our supervisors that they read is Leadership and Self-Deception. Uh, you know, especially if you're blaming, if you're in a blame game or you think it's somebody else's fault, read that book and you'll realize it's it's your, it's your how you're presenting yourself, what you're doing that's creating the situation that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. And that helped, it helped me in my, my home life as well. So it's a really good book. Very cool. Three books, bonus book yeah. at the end there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting any uh, royalties either. So yeah, I'll have, have a book out in another couple years, so we can recommend <laughs> that one later. That's good. That's good. I think there's a lot of people in this industry that, that should take the time to write a book because their experiences, like you're saying, networking with people, talking with people, like there are so many smart people. In the, I mean, that's why we started this podcast, but there's so many smart people in this industry that have so much to share um, you know, maybe you should write a book. It's in the process, and Phil can design. <laughs> Phil can design the cover and, and market it. And... Yeah, it's it's a it's a five year process. I'm on year five, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, nothing gets things done like a deadline. Yeah. You guys have anything else you want to add here? No, I, uh, me personally, again, it just comes back to the people and. And I'm always listening. I mean, those aren't the only books I listen to. I mean, it's audible. I'm constantly listening to books. Whatever you're feeding your brain, you know, whether it be negative or positive, it's gonna, that's the results you're going to be putting out. Mm. And I couldn't be, uh, couldn't be uh, more, more strong in my point in that, that you got to be feeding yourself the right things and, and just making sure you're making a difference. And really, you're, as an owner, I know I'm changing people's lives or I'm in control of a lot of lives. Like, it's a lot of responsibility, so I better get, I better be growing, I better be getting better myself, and uh, making sure that I'm following what I'm trying to preach out there. And I'd say, as an employee, if 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 you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're probably not in the right spot. You know, if you're not enjoying what you're doing every day, you're in the wrong spot. Amen. Well, I think uh, I think we all enjoy what we're doing because we just spent the past 45 minutes talking about how great it is. So I want to thank you guys for uh, joining us on the show today. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to uh, either of you, pick your brain, you know, do that networking that you're saying is so important. What's the best way to reach you? 
For me personally, it's my email. And like I said, we bring companies in to, to tour and talk more about this. And I do some consulting as well. So I, I'm, I'm here to help whoever I can, wherever I can. But the email, b.stevenson at newcastle94.com. That's uh, Stevenson with a PH. PH. Yeah, yeah the right way you spell Stevenson, not with a V. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I offended any Vs out there. <laughs> yeah. And probably for me the same way, best way is email. Uh, yeah. My emails p.neary and as a nancy eri at newcastle94.com awesome well once again guys thank you very much uh it's been another episode of the hardscape growth show and until next time everyone work hard and pave harder we'll see you next week this episode is brought to you by techo block for over 30 years techo block has been transforming outdoor spaces into inspiring artscapes our endless innovation has resulted in the industry's widest range of pavers, slabs, walls, caps, edging, steps, and outdoor living features. Visit techoblock.com or follow us on Instagram at techoblock to discover why our products are the choice of the most creative contractors and designers in the game. Techoblock. We live to create. You've been listening to Hardscape Growth, a podcast for business leaders in the trenches. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time, work hard and pave harder.